Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Liz Larson is a Broadway diva, Broadway diva Liz Larson is here! Wow, that was so good. Lin-Manuel who? Oh my god, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my god, guys. Jake has a podcast. I can't believe Jake has a podcast. Oh my god, Jake has a podcast. What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, You Guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, this week I got to see two incredible shows that could not be more different from one another. I got to see the off-Broadway immersive production of The Great Gatsby, and you guys, this show is like nothing I have ever experienced before. I knew going in that it was going to be an immersive production, but I didn't quite understand what that meant. And I could not have been more impressed by what it actually was. It's a complete walkthrough experience where you're led by actors all throughout this incredible playing space that they have created in an actual hotel. And it obviously follows the story of The Great Gatsby, so it hits all of the beautiful points of the book. But there's so much that they get to play with because it's so improvisational and it changes every night, I would assume, based on the type of people who they have to lead through the experience. So it's really, really cool. It's beautifully done. The lighting, the costumes, all of it, the choreography. I was so, so impressed by the timing of it all because different groups go into different rooms throughout the experience and they all have to sort of end up back in the same spots at the same times. So it was just fascinating. I I was so impressed by it and I highly recommend seeing it. And the other show I got to see this week is The Shark is Broken. It was a preview performance before their official opening on Broadway at the Golden Theater. And you guys, I was so impressed by this show. It's a cast of three people. It's Alex Brightman, Colin Donnell, and Ian Shaw. And the way that they work together to tell this amazing, hilarious, and at some points very heartbreaking story is just incredible. If you're not familiar, the show tells the true story of the actors Richard Dreyfus, Roy Scheider, and Robert Shaw during the making of the film Jaws, waiting for the shark to be fixed so they can resume filming the movie. 
So the situation already lends itself to comedy, but what I was most impressed by was the fact that one of the actors, Ian Shaw, is also the co-writer of the show, and he is playing his own father, Robert Shaw, who was the actual actor in Jaws. So he obviously has this very personal connection to telling this story and portraying his own father. The whole thing is beautifully acted, it's hilarious and so heartfelt, and it's 90 minutes straight through, so that's Gorge, and now they're officially open, so I cannot recommend seeing it enough. And with that, you guys, we gotta dive right into this week's Broadway World Recap, brought to you by my amazing partners at BroadwayWorld.com. First, it was just announced that a sweet, sweet friend of mine, Mr. Jake Pedersen, will be playing Bach in Wicked on Broadway after having played it on the national tour. Jake just finished his run in Parade on Broadway, and he was absolutely fantastic in it. And I cannot wait to see him play Bach in Wicked. So congratulations, Jake. Next, you guys, it was just announced that Matthew Broderick, Jay Smith Cameron, Victor Garber, Brooke Shields, and more will star in the encore run of Love Letters by A.R. Gurney at Irish Rep. The show already had a fantastic run in the spring, but due to the incredible response that they received from audiences, they're bringing it back. And it's going to run from September 5th through October 1st. I'm such a fan of Matthew Broderick, and I love some Brooke Shields, so I really hope to catch this one. Next, you guys, in another little casting announcement, Moulin Rouge on Broadway welcomes their two new leading players, Casey Cott in the role of Christian and Miss Courtney Reed as Satine. Courtney actually played the role in the national tour and she is a phenomenal performer. She like original Jasmine in Aladdin. She's stunning. She's gonna be fabulous. And Casey Cott makes his Broadway debut after his star turn on the TV show Riverdale. So you guys, we are in for a treat with this casting. And lastly, you guys, it was just announced that none other than Ms. Angelina Jolie has joined the producing team for the new Broadway-bound musical, The Outsiders. The show is currently in their final weeks of their out-of-town-at-La-Hoya Playhouse before they bring it to New York, and it is the first musical adaptation of S.E. Hinton's classic novel and Francis Ford Coppola's iconic film. I'm not exactly sure what Angelina Jolie's personal connection is to this show or this story, but hey, we love to see some rich divas throwing down the coin for Broadway. And I can't wait to see the show when it comes to New York. And you guys, this has been the Broadway World Recap. Oh my pod, you guys. I am so excited to welcome my next guest to the show. She is a Tony-nominated Broadway diva and also one of just my absolute favorite people on this planet. Please welcome Miss Liz Larson. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Girl, it has been the trials and tribulations to get here, but we are on the pod. We did it. We did it. And I've <laughs> downloaded Google Chrome about 16 times. So I have What it. I did for love. <laughs> How are you? Where are you calling from? I am calling from the Upper West Side of Manhattan in the same apartment I've lived in since 1990. Oh my God. Incredible. Well, we are neighbors, yes. so we got to get together in real life. Oh, that's true. Yes. That's true. Um, so I'm, I th I'm thinking of going tomorrow to see our little friend, Jimmy Brewer, <gasps> and shocked because he's going on for the lead. Oh my word. This is hot goss on the podcast. Yes. I still haven't seen shocked. I really need to. 
I haven't either. Let's go together. I'm oh my PDF. god, I would love it. Okay. Wow, you heard okay. it here first, everyone. We're going. <laughs> we're going to shocked. <laughs> no, well, I, I have to say, looking back on on Flamingo Kid that we did together at Hartford Stage, you are like an embarrassment of riches. Oh my god! It was embarrassing Please. that you were a cover in that show. <laughs> Please. I mean, I'm still embarrassed when I think of you sitting there, not being able to show your fabulous, unbelievably talented self. Every you are moment. too kind. I was in awe of everyone in that room. So I was just yeah. happy to be a fly on the wall. I mean, that was like cream of the crop. Everybody in that cast and the creative team were incredible. But I obviously was so in awe of you and the work that you were doing. Um, but yeah, tell, we got to talk right. about it. Diving right in. That's yeah. how we got to meet was the Flamingo Kid at Hartford Stage. Flamingo Kid. And I believed in that show. I left beautiful for, for I think, two months or three months to, to do it, to go do it. Right. Oh, that's that show. That show. It was so wonderful. And getting to know you and all of the people in that show, I mean, made it just worth everything worth all of the work and everything but um, i know there are a lot of talented people do you remember do you remember um uh Stuart zagnet's freak out of course <laughs> <laughs> of course shout out to Stuart. <laughs> yes Stuart, i love you he freaked out though he freaked out at one point it was right before we were i guess dress rehearsal and we had the numbers on the stage and, you know, it starts at, at zero and then one left and right, two left and right, two left, and it goes out to 10 or 12 or 14 or something. And suddenly they pulled the numbers and there were no numbers. <laughs> mm -hmm. And his head came off. <laughs> he was like, it was the so then what thing. am I supposed I, to do? No, he was like, I can't work this way. <laughs> He's such a sweet, mild-mannered guy and he just lost it. It was literally the funniest thing. I mean, I've known him for almost 40 years. So. <laughs> Stuart. Oh my God. Anyway. Well, Flamingo Kid obviously yeah. opened my door to, to knowing you and everything, except for the fact that I also got to know your wonderful child because we got to go to school together, Mr. Andy oh, and I. So I knew of you adjacently for a long time, but Flamingo Kid was the first time that I actually got to see your brilliance in person and work with you. And mm -hmm. I got to say, it really, it was amazing. You are, you are something else. And I'm so glad, obviously you've had this incredible career, which we will talk about, but I must ask about your most recent time on the boards in a new musical called A Transparent Musical, which has its mm -hmm. sights set for Broadway. Please tell me about this amazing show. Well, I mean, this is one of the things that that was a miracle that it actually happened. I mean, I got a phone call from people that I always admired and never worked for, uh, Tina Landau, and of course the Soloway siblings, which wrote the uh, who wrote the um, directed and produced the the series of Transparent, and they are just the most exciting artists that I can think of. Anyway, I get this call out of nowhere, you know, right after the pandemic and, um, or just kind of, it was still going on. We were still getting tested every two days. I was doing a play and we were still getting tested. 
tested, tested every two days. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, so they just said, come to a reading. We think you should be the Judith Light part. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to get fired so quick from this. But at least I get to do one reading. <laughs> at least I get to be in the room for a second. And then um, we they just kept changing it and, and working on it and kept calling me. And we went through five different workshops in one in about eight months. And I just kept getting called. And then the part changed and they started adding things that I did well. And it became this incredible experience and opportunity. And the best part that I have ever been given in my entire life. Wow. Oh, in my, my gosh. In my entire career. Yeah. That's phenomenal. I mean, it is really something. I yeah. mean, I've gotten to see just little snippets here and there, you know, what broadwayworld.com has posted and all of those like wonderful promotional materials that you guys have released. And your song, or one of a few, I believe, is yeah. phenomenal. But um, I'm so excited that it not only is, you know, great material for you as an actor and a performer, but um, it's really important material that absolutely needs to be absolutely. put forward and you know sort of like brought into the mainstream this like commercial broadway realm so i'm so excited about you know the themes of like the trans identity and and what it means to hire trans performers well what was uh, what is amazing is that um there were more trans performers on that stage than ever together on any stage so wow. i i think there were I think we had 10 trans people in the show um, and about five cis people. Mm-hmm. It was it was really, really uh, fascinating and and emotional. And we all learned so much about each other. Um, what was interesting was every day there was there was so much sensitivity training that mm-hmm. we all went through about how to understand um, the challenges of uh, the trans community and 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 how they deal with the cis community and and how the cis community has treated them and it's just it was just so complicated and and beautiful to live through and what i thought was so fascinating about it is because i am you know a girl and i've done a lot of theater and a lot of musicals, a lot of plays, a lot of television, and a lot of difficult stories I've had to tell. But they were difficult stories about me, about who I am. And this was like the first time we're all in this room and we were telling their difficult stories. And it was so challenging and emotional for the trans uh, people in the show because they had never been on stages and told their own stories before. Right. right. Somebody finally asked so, them the questions. Yes. And it was so beautiful to watch and so very emotional every single day. Wow. And, you know, oh, it was what, a, what an experience. What and, an, I learned so much from everyone. And I could be wrong too, but I imagine that there is also like a beautiful sense of levity in telling this story, which is sort of important in talking about stuff that can be as heavy and like personally draining as self-identity and gender. Um, 
And I yeah. think that you are the perfect person to take on that sort of <laughs> quote unquote <laughs> problematic uh, role because subject matter. Yes, because but what's you... amazing about this musical is it is it is so commercial. Right. It is absolutely hilarious and absolutely devastating at the God, same time. I cannot so fucking wait to see it. It is, and it, and it deals with, I mean, it goes back to Nazi Germany and the Jews and the trans community there and how they were all annihilated um, for being, you know, freaks and deviants wow. and um, how painful and how far it's gone back. Anyway, it's 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 a beautiful piece. It's a very very special piece. I've never seen or heard anything like it. I cannot before. wait for it to come to New York. And you got to work Not with people like Miss Peppermint. Oh, she's my best friend. The doll of dolls. She is my best friend. <laughs> and don't let anybody tell you that they're her best friend. I got to get her on the pod. She is oh she will she will. an icon of not only of like drag race but just like of the queer and like trans communities in general she's amazing i i'm yeah. so in awe of her and so um i'm so glad that this will be her second time you know getting getting to do a show like this in new york and um right yeah all of that but that is so amazing she's such a loving such person yeah she is i i've Again, never met anybody quite like her. The generosity and the forgiveness and the kindness and the humor of her. She's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. I think she'll so argue with that, but anyway. <laughs> no. She's like, yes. I claim her. Yes, good. Well, you touched her. on it a little bit, but I am very excited to ask you about your Jewish heritage, because that was something that we got to um, explore a little bit in the world of Flamingo Kid when I first worked with you. Um, mm -hmm. But you are so beautifully Jewish and so um, outspoken about it. And, and outside of the rehearsal room, um, you also got to sort of round up all of the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people in our cast and say, this is my culture. This is my heritage. We're going to do all of the dinners. We're going to do all of, we're going to honor all of these Jewish holidays during that process, which I thought was so beautiful and exciting. Um, and you yeah, also right. played Hava in Fiddler on the Roof. Like your, your Jewish heritage and identity has been present throughout your career for, I would say all, all of it. And so I would love to hear about, um, what that has been like as a performer? Um, I, 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 there's so much of uh, my life that wasn't spent playing Jewish characters. And so when I am playing them, I am so honored to be able to sit in those stories, my stories, my ancestor stories. And, you know, it's also, it's also laced with um, so much, pain too because my my relatives were all killed in the holocaust yeah. they nobody made it out i have a very small family and they were all annihilated so so it makes it, it makes me very very protective of who's left mm -hmm. and um and i really very much enjoy telling the stories of jewish people 
Um, when I did Fiddler, <laughs> uh, it was 1980, and Jerome Robbins came back and directed it. Uh-huh. And he and he was um, Herschel Bernardi played Tevya, and uh, they were not speaking because Jerome Robbins had um, named Herschel Bernardi as a uh, he had blacklisted him. Uh-huh. And um, so Ruth Mitchell, who was the stage manager, had to get the notes from Jerome, walk over to Herschel, give him the notes. Oh, my God. And walk over with Herschel's response. It was crazy. It was crazy. But they did it. They did it. And it was beautiful production. And Jerome Robbins was, I guess, a genius. Like, uh, there's very few of them. This is is my favorite Jerome Robbins story. I, um, when... You know, I'm, I dance in shows because I, I get the second banana part and she usually has to dance. And I've always had to dance, but I, I've never been a dancer. Never. I, I took a few ballet classes when I was, you know, a little kid, but that's really it. And um, Hava in Fiddler is the dancing role. Mm-hmm. It's the dancing role <laughs> because it, there's the Havala Ballet. And the original Havala Ballet... Uh, Jerome Robbins put that up. We did the original one, and I was a wreck. I was shaking. I, and there I am, nose to nose with Jerome Robbins, and he's saying, "Do this and, and do that, and put your toe in the sand." And and I'm like, "Oh God, <laughs> you're gonna get fired." And um, I said to him the first day as he was trying to explain to me the images of what I, he was trying to create with this ballet that I said, I'm not a dancer and I'm so scared and, and I don't know how to do this. So I'm sorry, I'm going to need some help. And he said, just always move through honey, not air. Mm. So I was like, Oh, I can do that. So in other words, the air has resistance. So every single step you make, push through the resistance of honey and not yes. air. And that, then I was fine because I could see that. Right. Well, and he clearly yeah, knew how to convey what he needed to convey to an actor. Yes. Yes. He loved actors. He was horrible to dancers. Awful. <laughs> Isn't that a theme? Speak to them like human beings. Of course. And he was so gentle with us and so nice with us. Uh, somebody once told me it's because he feels like that's something he cannot do. But mm-hmm. he was tough with those dancers. Oh, yeah. That is yeah. wild. I, so how long were you yeah. in Fiddler? Um, I did it. We started on the road and... Um, Oh, we started on the road and then we went to, we, uh, we, halfway through the road company, uh, we ended up in um, Chicago. Mm. And during, at the same time, there was a beloved uh, man playing Tevye in Chicago at the Candlelight or Candlewood mm-hmm. Dinner Theater. And his name was Pelty. His last name was Pelty. It was, oh shoot, I can't remember. Anyway, strangely <laughs> enough, well, first of all, he closed our show because he was such a favorite in Chicago. And we came in with this. We were in this cavernous theater. It was 4,200 seats. And everybody wanted to go Lee, Lee Pelting, Lee, Lee Pelting. Pelting. 
Yeah. And um, and everybody was just seeing him and they loved him. So our show closed out of town and then we um, and then we just took a hiatus and then we came to Broadway. Wow. Which was nice. Uh, strangely enough, this is a weird thing. Lee Pelty's son, Adam, used to be married to my best friend. Well, I say everybody's my best friend. My best friend, <laughs> yeah. uh, Danny Davis. And they had a son named Noah Pelty, who is one of Andy's best friends. Your son. My son, Andy. That is crazy. Yes, they grew up together. Anyway, oh, my God. Very talented guy, Noah. Yeah. So I, I, I'll never forget that name, Pelty. It closed our show. All roads lead back to Liz Larson and to Lee Pelty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Well, obviously Fiddler was, is one of the most iconic shows in the Broadway canon, but you had the honor of originating Miss Cleo in the most happy fella for which you were nominated for a Tony award. Could you tell That's me right. about your experience with Most Happy Fellow? I actually had the pleasure of doing the show at heart in college, and it was so, Aww. so fun. And I kind of couldn't believe that we were doing that show at, while, you know, we all knew that Andy's mom, Andy's, Andy's mom was the original <laughs> nominated for a Tony. <laughs> Can you tell me what, what that is like to, to number one, originate a, sh- a role in a show like that and as, as a beautiful of a show as that, but then to have it recognized so beautifully with a Tony nomination. Well, uh, when I first auditioned for it, it was not supposed to go to Broadway. It was just going to the Goodspeed Opera House. So mm-hmm. it was a summer stock gig. And um, I was asked to come in and audition, and I was like, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not right for this part. I'm just not right for this part. It's like a Texas girl. No one's going to hire me as that. And um, I didn't go in, and then they called me again, and and I realized I needed the insurance weeks, so I just, you know, go in. <laughs> Very bad. And I got it. And again, it was it was like I'm I'm not I don't think I'm very good. I I'm just not right. And we were rehearsing it, and I said to Jerry Gutierrez, "I'm not getting this. I'm not I'm not this person. I I'm not this person." And I said, "Why did you hire me?" And he said, "Because you're a Cadillac." Hmm. <laughs> so I'll never Jerry Gutierrez. I'll never forget that either. And so then I thought, well, I'm a Cadillac man. I could I could figure this one out. This is nothing. So anyway, another weird thing was that there we are at Goodspeed Opera House. It's just a it's just a version of Most Happy Fellow, a, a small version. Mm-hmm. Uh, they cut about forty five minutes of dance music and orchestral music, and um, uh, Frank Lesser had commissioned it years and years ago for two pianos. Yes. So we did the we did the two piano version, which was. Again, 45 minutes shorter. And it kind of was a play with music instead of a big musical. So we didn't have mics. We were just... And we didn't have mics on Broadway either. Mm. So um, because they wanted the the energy of it being a play that exploded with music. So as we were uh, rehearsing this, it became very clear to us that it was something very special was happening that we were doing something very interesting and very good. And this was really before all the pared down versions of musicals were happening. Sure. I think they had already done Teeny Todd on in um, <laughs> at the Circle in the Square. 
But I, th- that was it. They hadn't done La Caja Fall that way or, or a lot of things that, that have been become smaller and more intimate. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the first ones. And um, we're doing the show and everybody thinks it's really interesting and really good. And But that was it. It was summer stock. And then uh, uh, like two weeks before the closing of it, Frank Rich, who was no longer uh, the, uh, the New York Times reviewer, he had left and he was writing op-eds at, at this point, but he was so powerful and he had just stepped down and he was still powerful. Anyway, he happened to be in Connecticut one weekend um, searching for wedding venues with he and his wife, Alex Witchell. And when they were looking for these wedding venues to get married, we were playing and he said, this is my favorite musical, let's go. So they went, they came and saw the musical just for fun. And then he loved it so much that he wrote a a Sunday Times piece about it. Wow. And it came out like the next day, day, he came and saw it on a, I don't remember, it came a couple days later, he came and saw it. And then, um, how did this, oh yeah, and then Monday morning, it came out Sunday, and Monday morning, we got something like 72 calls from producers to move it. Oh, my God. Wow. I mean, that's how powerful he was. Yeah. Well, and at the a time. testament, too, to just the talent and the material in that yeah. that good speed production that was able to... And the approach of it, yeah. yeah. But still, I mean, yeah. that would never happen now. I mean, there was no internet at the time. Uh, things, things are... Uh, it's dissipated. It's so much dissipated. That was it. The New York Times was it in those days. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was huge. And then we moved and, and we're walking into the stage door at the Booth Theater and sobbing. <laughs> like, how did I get from a part I didn't think I was right for in Connecticut for $600 a week to Broadway? Right. I, walking from Schubert Alley. I mean, it was... That is wild. And then, so what was it like to to do the show in New York, to open on Broadway, whatever, you know, you're like, I I have done this, I'm, you know, we're doing it, whatever. And then to receive a Tony nomination for it. Well, the Tony nomination was, was incredible. It was, I, I, it was just, because you watch these things on, you grow up in, in, in your living room watching the Tony Awards, and I do, I did. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, when I was a little kid and I would watch the Tony Awards, I wouldn't sit down. I would stand in the center of the living room because I couldn't sit down. That was how I still do it. I still stand up and watch the Tony Awards. I'm like, where is he? There he is. Oh, my God. Oh, that's good. Oh, no, that's not good. Oh, that's great. You know, I mean, it's just DNA. So so uh, that was unreal. It was unreal. Wow. It was unreal. And I mean, so I remember deserved. I didn't sleep. Thanks. I, I, I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep for months. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. Wow. Anyway. That's fantastic. Well, you have done just so, so many amazing shows. You were in Damn Yankees. You did Rocky Horror. You were in Hairspray. Can you tell me what it is like to be doing those shows sort of back to back and I'm sure with other things in between readings and out of towns and whatever, um, while raising your two beautiful kids in New York city, how do you balance that? It was a nightmare. 
it was when they were little, it was really hard. It was, um, thankfully I was not a single mom Mm -hmm. and I had Sal and he, he was an early riser. So a lot of times when I was doing, um, when I was doing shows and I had to sleep, he would take them to school and stuff like that. But when the kids were babies and I was up all night with them and stuff, that's when it was really hard. Um, but you know, and I, the biggest surprise of having kids and, and doing shows was the amount of money I spent in childcare. Oh my God. I'm sure. (laughs) Right. So, you know, I mean, I was going to work when, everybody else was putting their kids down. Mm -hmm. So that was, sometimes that that felt sad to me. It was sad to me, but there was an, I was out of work enough Uh that I, uh, that I, um, also, you know, I traveled with them a lot. Like, like when I wasn't doing a show in town, I would go out and do summer stock and I would take those boys with me and put them in camps and, and, you know, take them to work. I remember once I was doing, yeah, I was doing, um, oh my God, I was doing Sunny in the po- Park, Sunny in the Park, and Sal was playing George, and I was Dot, oh my and God. Andy was about four months old, and um, our nanny, we had a live-in nanny at the time that we had brought from New York, a young girl, and she quit during tech. <gasps> she quit. Now, this is a four-month-old baby that I'm still breastfeeding. Still breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So every time I did a, a quick change, my, my milk would come flying out. Sure. I mean, I was in it. <sighs> anyway, so um, I remember I strapped that baby on a baby Bjorn on top of my costumes and did tech with that baby Hell until we figured yes, out. you did. <laughs> come on. <laughs> with Andy on me. Oh, my God. I mean, you just my- you set him up. He was on stage from four months old <laughs> on. I know, poor thing. I've like, <laughs> cursed him no. to a life of pain. <laughs> anyway, wow, that is incredible. And like you said, you are. It is so lucky, and you're so fortunate to have had your partner along for the ride, not only yeah. off stage but on. You guys got to do yeah. things together, and having Sal be a performer, and and you know him having that frame of reference also is so much. I mean, I can't imagine how how helpful that was in raising it was really helpful and it's still really helpful Mm. it's still really helpful because you know they're adults but they still need stuff right like they they need us still Mm -hmm. or maybe i'm just kidding myself maybe they're fine no no i I can attest (laughs) (laughs) i need my mother so (laughs) okay (laughs) okay good yes anyway i'm needed i'm needed (laughs) So do you remember which um, which shows you were doing in New York when you first became pregnant? Yes. I was doing a new brain workshop oh, yes. when I became pregnant with Andy. And, um, and it was a long workshop. I think, oh no, I just, I just become pregnant. So by the time I started the workshop, I was about three and a half, four months pregnant. So we did the workshop and it was six weeks and I just grew and grew and grew and grew. <laughs> and I remember uh, during uh, uh, um, Bill Finn wrote in a line for the mother to say to me, she came in and she went, Rhoda, have you gained weight? 
And I said, I'm pregnant. <laughs> oh, my God. So they took it out when we moved because I wasn't pregnant anymore. Yeah. But... <laughs> wow. Because I, I've had many friends as of late, you know, finally get to announce publicly their, their pregnancy. And um, I'm always so interested to, to hear how they navigate you know, you find out you're pregnant, whatever, there's like a long period where it has to be just for you because there can be complications and whatever, and you just never right. know. Um, but then, you know, when you can tell someone, you have to go to your company manager or the producers and say, hi, I've been cooking this baby for four months and now it's going to be very visible. Right. So I have this amount of days left here <laughs> until I have to go. Like, that's just such an interesting, obviously it's, it's like a privilege of, of not having a uterus, but it's like, I don't ever think about that. That's not something that would cross yeah. my mind. So having to, um, to have to explain that or to hope that the producers will be okay with that, whatever that means. Like that's such an interesting yeah. thing. So then when you became pregnant with your second child, did you feel like you already sort of knew the ropes? You were like, all right, I know what to do. This is, this is how we go about this. No, I was, I would, my, I was worried. My second pregnancy was more difficult because Andy was, three years old and he was uh, crazy. He was running everywhere and it was winter and I was running after him and I was fat and I was like, I mean, when Andy, when I was pregnant with Andy, all I craved were grapefruits and tomato juice, weirdly. But when I was pregnant with Joey, Snickers and noodles oh, I mean, yeah. and burgers. So I, I became a house and running after that kid on the ice I, I was, it was very tough. It was very uncomfortable, but you know, I did it and I made it through. And I, I was doing the workshop of not Dirty Art and Scoundrel, the other one, uh, Full Monty. I was doing the workshops of Full Monty when, when I was eight months pregnant with wow. Joey and they moved to California to do the pre-Broadway's tryout. And they were like, come on, mm -hmm. you can do it. And I said, yeah, but you see, I would give birth on a Sunday <laughs> and start rehearsal the next day. Not sure. Oh, no, it was actually I would, I would have given birth during previews. <laughs> and they were like, you can do it. You can do it. And I'm like, I'm a Jew. And they're like, we we'll, don't, we'll put an insert. You know, yeah, we don't just walk and we, we have to lay down <laughs> to do the babies. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't do that, but. They were like, you can do it. Let's go. Wow. I mean. At this point, I wish I had because because I could have done it. I could have done it. <laughs> I mean, it's not as if you are lacking in theatrical experiences post, post children. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, that, oh, that was another thing. that uh, The one thing that I couldn't do that I really did want to do was. Uh, David Ives wrote a play called Ancient History, and I had done a production of it, you know, in Bucks County. And he, um, there was dates that they didn't know it was going to go and all this kind of stuff. And I kept, and I was pregnant. I just got, just got pregnant with Joey. And I was like, hurry up and get these dates out because I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And I don't want to show because it, it was a two-hander and I was in bed with it turned out did it Michael Rupert and uh, we were in bed in our underwear the whole time and I couldn't very well be like six months pregnant sure. so um they kept putting off the rehearsal date starting and 
and then finally I had to say, look, I'm already four months pregnant. And they said, you're not doing it. Yeah. And it was John Rando directing it. And I, that was, I still remember it because I wanted so badly to do that play. I loved that play. So, I mean, it's just a play and you know, it's just an experience, but that's the one thing I couldn't do, Mm -hmm. but everything else worked out. Wow. Everything else. And then you, I mean, like post babies, obviously you were still their mother, but then you went into beautiful, the Carol King musical on Broadway. Could you tell me about doing a show like that, that has such an extensive run in New York city? Um, well, when we were, when we were rehearsing it, when we first got it and we first read the script, I was like, Oh God, Oh God, this will run for not at all. Uh, In fact, we'll never make it out of town uh. because it was, it was basically like a concert with, it just didn't hold together really well. And, God bless him. Those writers and producer knew the decisions to make, to make a beautiful show. And, um, and a lot of times, you know, you'll start out with a pretty good show and then it'll just get horrible because the, the creative people can't get along in what should be cut and what should be done and what should be emphasized. But it was such an incredibly um, intuitive and talented creative team that they pulled out this which I think is a gorgeous show out of it. Um, and, uh, and it was just a surprise every day. We couldn't believe how much better it was getting and that uh, we couldn't believe we got good reviews. We couldn't believe uh, everything that went along with it, um, with every step of the way. And um, we couldn't believe when Jesse left that it still worked. Yeah. There, everything was a surprise. Um, so, yeah, and... Also, you know, Andy always makes the joke that I was the I was the best paid actress on Broadway if I was paid by the word because I had about six lines. <laughs> I mean, I had hardly anything to do and no songs at all. And uh, I walked out on stage and I go, ba 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 ba, ha, and leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was get, I was getting paid like five hundred dollars a word or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> not really, but. Um, and I also had my own dressing room um, on stage level, right next to the green room. And so it was just like a princess job. Yes. And si- and I did it six years, and they let me come and go as I please. Right. Um, because they said, yes, you can, you can leave at any point with 48 hours notice if you want to do another job, but we'll never give you any more money. And I was like, great. Great. <laughs> So I never got a raise. I never I just took my took what they gave me, mm-hmm. and I was in and out. And I, I mean, but those are sometimes so many the times. most important decisions that we have to make because it's like, okay, yeah, what if something else comes along that will change right. your life? I mean, there's there's just no there's no knowing. So having to yeah. risk that. I mean, I did movies, I did television, I did so much stuff. I traveled. I I did new musicals. Mm-hmm. It was. It was an amazing job. Yeah. It was an amazing job. That is so cool. And and lucky. Yeah. Few, few and far between. Incredibly are like lucky. Yeah. Incredibly lucky. That's another thing that dropped in my lap. Mm-hmm. Mark Bruni was like, oh, you're my go-to Jew. You can play the Jewish father. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he called me. Anyway, so 
It's great, great. I love it. Wow. Fantastic. So I, you have spoken about it a little bit already, but I would love to hear how you approach doing new musicals because that's how I met you. That I mean, obviously, like a transparent musical, you've done countless like workshops that you've mentioned. Um, but what draws you to a project, a new project, specifically, you know, when you're doing something like Beautiful on Broadway, what would catch your eye and, and take you away from doing a show like that? Because I want to be in the room when new things are happening. Mm. I want to be there. I want to uh, be able to create new characters and I want to be able to, uh, you know, dramaturgically, I'm, I'm gifted. So I, I, uh, I'm an asset yes. to, because because I don't uh, put myself first. I put the story first. And I can recognize what is helping the story, uh, whether it's hurting my character or not. And, um, or, you know, or making my character smaller or bigger, whatever. Um, the play's the thing. And, and I, I'm devoted to that. And I have a great eye. So I love being in the room. I'm not capable of writing my own plays or my own musicals, but I, I, I'm very good at, at seeing what is right and what is not. Sure. So I, and I love it. I love it. That's I so love being cool. there. And I just have to say too, that I have such respect for you as a, a person and a performer, because I have seen so many amazing performers sort of let their momentum and trajectory um, fall to the background and you have been able to forge this beautiful uh, sort of second half of, of your career in, in new musicals. And I'm just so excited for not just a transparent musical, but like all of the things that you get to do because I'm just so inspired by you. I think you're so brilliant as, Aww. as an actor and you're also just such a, wonderful person to be in the room with that I can't imagine anyone not ever being like her. I want her. <laughs> well, I've seen it all. Yeah. So I don't get flipped out. Yeah. You know, people are like, what are we doing? They put this. Stuart. They put this in. I can't do it. You know, all that stuff that everybody goes through. It's like, ah, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll either, I'll either come out with it or I won't. Exactly. Will it work or it won't? I mean, along those lines, I do want to ask you too, because you have obviously worked alongside some legends, some incredible, incredible performers. Jerry Robbins, like, my God, that's insane. But are there people who you would still be starstruck by or, or a flutter to, to work alongside? Uh, in musicals? Or in general. Oh, there's a lot in general. Hmm. Um, you just seem like such in, a, a grounded performer in who's like the, the focus is the work for you. So I can't imagine someone coming into a rehearsal room and you being, you know, starry eyed. That just <laughs> that's so funny. Well, I'm I'm starry eyed about Lin-Manuel Miranda, of course. Oh, well, and of course. I, I, so I would love to. But but, you know, I'm I'm starry eyed about people I've already worked with. I think Jack O'Brien is a genius. Mm. And, um, I, uh, I, I, God, I, I want to get back in a room with David Yazbek so bad. Oh, yeah. I love him so much. I did two of his shows in, in workshop. Um, I just think he's, <laughs> I love him. Fabulous. I would love 
to be with him again. Mm. Yeah. You heard it here, David. You heard it on Oh My Pod, you guys. God damn it. <laughs> I remember I was, uh, I was doing his uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And we're sitting in a theater. I don't know why we're in a theater. I guess we were putting it up on a stage somewhere, rehearsing or something. And I said, and I said, David, why isn't there a better part for me on your show? I love you. I want to sing your songs. And he said, Nell, I'm going to have to write something for you. It's got to be specially for you. And I was like, great. Well, that was, you know, 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it's true. It's like people ask me, what part do you want to play? What part are you dying to play that you haven't played? And I'm like, it hasn't been written yet. That's the best answer. It's, it's a part that, for me, yep. which is transparent. Fantastic. All roads yeah. lead back. <laughs> Too transparent. Yes. <laughs> Too transparent musical. Well, Liz, <laughs> before I let you go, I have a series of... What I call rapid fire musical theater and lifestyle questions that I ask every guest. It never turns into a, an actual rapid fire because we are theater people and we have to talk. But are you ready to answer these questions? Go. Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber? Sondheim. Oh my God. <laughs> Sweatpants oh my or God. jeans? Jeans. Do you have a favorite musical? Uh, Fiddler. Do you have a least favorite musical? Goodbye, girl. Ah. Would you ever like to do <laughs> a Broadway play? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Absolutely. I've done plays, but they're, they've been at, you know, Manhattan Theater Club and mm -hmm. Off-Broadway. Um, Absolutely. Are you a morning person or a night owl? <laughs> Night out. <laughs> Night out. I get I get my best sleep between five and ten in the morning. <laughs> Absolutely, I connect to that. Uh, could you think of the craziest thing a director has ever asked you to do? Ooh, rapid fire. Um, well, I know that's the that's the rub. Oh my god! Oh my god! Either in a rehearsal process or in an audition room. Oh. This wasn't crazy. It was awful. <gasps> Spill the tea, Liz Larson. Okay. So I was auditioning for, uh, what's the one? Uh, nine to five. Uh-huh. Right? And um, they said, you know, bring in any song. So I brought in Don't Rain on My Parade. And it's a long song. <laughs> and Joe Mantello is there. And, um, and, I said, I can start halfway through it because it's a long song. And they said, no, 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 start at the beginning. And I said, you can just stop me, you know, whenever you've heard enough. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and so I start singing the song. And I'm, of course, fantastic. <laughs> of and, course. Of course. It's Liz Larson we're and I about. get to, And I get to that big thing, that big part where it goes, I'm watching my Right? Yeah. So I get to ah, and Joe Mantella goes stop. <laughs> like that was the funniest thing. <laughs> How dare you, Joe Mantella? <laughs> and I was like, 
Jackson? And he's like, <laughs> I just thought I'd stop you there. <laughs> and I was like, and then, of course, you know, I did a high kick to show that I had a, a of course, a good sense of humor about it. But I was like kind of seething. It kind of yeah. made me feel like shit. Anyway, that's that's I'll never forget that. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm sure he's a great guy, <laughs> but he didn't handle he didn't he didn't hire me. Yeah. Rude. Um, OK. Rude. <laughs> Golden age or contemporary. When does Golden Age end? Um, the 70s. Oh. Oh. Contemporary. Nice. I think. Um, do you have a favorite role that you've ever played? Uh, and I is it Gloria I... and Damn Yankees? No. <laughs> I mean, that was fun. That was fun. But um, although it was harrowing, jumping off that dugout, oh my God. And you can't breathe. Yeah. You're like, well, come on, help us ah! <laughs> And then I jump. <laughs> and then I just keep singing. Oh, God, that was harrowing. I, I, I blame Vicki Lewis because I replaced her. And she was like, I can do it. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I loved, loved, loved Adelaide. Oh, my God. Oh. I loved Adelaide. I loved, um, oh, I loved Annie, Get Your, Annie and Annie Get Your Gun. <laughs> I loved Trina and Falsettos. Um, you know, those are like up there. Those three. Top tier. Oh, Evita. I loved Evita. Oh, yes. I loved Evita. Yeah. Wow. And Evita was, was strangely easier to sing than people think because if your, if your voice is pitched similar to where Patti LuPone's is, she she somehow created that that those keys in a place where you can croon croon it out uh-huh. and not and not fucking kill yourself. Wow. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's not easy, but it's not like uh, some parts you just. How do I navigate yeah. this? But Love I it. commend her and I thank her. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Patty. Um, thank you, Patty. <laughs> coffee or tea? Coffee. Me too. What about the hardest show that you have ever done? Hardest. Well, um, I would say, honestly, I would say hairspray because I wasn't on stage. I had to cover Mm -hmm. two parts. And in the two years and eight months I was in hairspray, I went on over 500 times. Wow. So it was... And it was easy to go on because they were both singular. They weren't. I didn't have to fit into the group and learn dances and or anything like that. You were doing, but it was Velma. part of Velma and the uh, female authority figures. Yes, and um, it was just hard because I was never on the stage except when you know someone was sick, and I went through the whole Tonys with them and everything and. It was just, I didn't like not being in the, in the, in the group. Yeah. That, it was psychologically hard for that me. That is hard. And I, I, I feel like I, I almost became an alcoholic during that show. Oh, wow. You know, because I was just like. The downtime. I, I guess I'll go to the theater. Oh, and they made you go to the theater. They made you go to the theater. Yes. Because um, uh, 
they they were going to start to uh, let us call in or you know be on beep, beepers yep at the time and um somebody fell through a, a, a stage i think it was a dina manzel something happened to a dina manzel and wicked yep. and uh the 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 understudy had to go on in like five minutes mm-hmm. And so then they say, nope, you're all in. So I just sat in that theater for two years. It just was long. It's, I don't know. For I mean, it's a great job. It's a great job for some people. In fact, I know one, uh, one of my friends in the show uh, was swing for all three, um, uh, all three of the voices. What are they called? The, the three singers. Uh, hey, mom. Hey, yeah. Mom, look around. The, Oh, gosh, what are they called? <laughs> We're going to get... But those, those, those girls. Yeah. Anyway, uh, she was a cover for the, all of them, and then they moved her up to one of the singers. Ah. Uh, and she did that for six months. She was like, I'd rather cover again. Ugh. The Dynamites. I'd rather cover... T- the Dynamites! <laughs> and she was like, I'd rather cover again. It's more interesting. It's more fun to me. Because wow. I can t- play different characters. I don't have to be on all the time. But to me, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, this question might be difficult for you because you have <laughs> so many Broadway credits, but could you name all of the Broadway theaters that you've performed in? Booth, Marriott Marquis, New York State Theater, <laughs> Criterion Center. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Oh, Sondheim, <laughs> which used to be the Henry Miller. Yes. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. She's, don't she's know. just had too oh. many. Wait, Eugene O'Neill. Eugene O'Neill. Love it. Eugene O'Neill? Is that on 52nd Street? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Eugene O'Neill's across from the ambassador on 49th. Oh, so not the Eugene O'Neill. <laughs> Wait, what's the one on 52nd? The August Wilson. No, the, across from the August Wilson. Oh, oh God, what is it? Uh, That's where I did Harrisburg. It's where MJ's playing. It was a neat, yeah, it was at Niederlander Theater. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I can remember the date I started rehearsals for things, and I can't remember the right. <laughs> The Neil Simon. The Neil Simon! <laughs> Eugene O'Neill. <laughs> Well, Neil. It was Neil in there. Neil, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's Neil. Neil. Um, Did I do these Neil? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have a favorite costume that you've ever worn? Yeah, I, I loved um, all the costumes I got to wear in Hairspray. Ah, they were fierce. Love fierce. Oh my God, Velma Von Tussle with that yeah, wig. Yeah, I mean. The big, big ass ring. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I loved it. The suits. They were like these 60 suits. Mm. Ugh. So they fun. Great. Okay. And my yeah, last question it. for you, which I ask every guest is, what is one thing that you would tell young Liz? Don't worry so much about your weight mm. and what you look like. Because that stops me from a lot of things. It stopped me from having a good time mm-hmm. doing things. Um, I was bulimic and, and uh, it, it tortured me because I would have to sing and I was throwing up uh, in the very beginning yeah. when I was you know, in my 20s. And um, 
God, God, if I could, if I could go back and not be bulimic and not be um, just obsessed about my weight, mm -hmm. about every pound, every, I mean, complete body dysmorphia. Yeah. So. Well, I have to say, and I think I might have to include the actual audio from this video, but you posted a video the other day that I did share on my Instagram because I love it so, so much. And it's of you talking about this gorgeous dress that you have where you are showing your legs. And I love that video because you say so beautifully, I don't think anyone should care what my legs look like. I don't care. So I don't think you should care. Right. Wear whatever you fucking want. And I love right. that. And I... Uh, as soon as I saw that video, I was like, get this bitch on the podcast. I miss her. <laughs> so, yeah, but you. it took me a lot, many years to get there. Well, and and you arrived anyway. You got there. So that's incredible. And the message that you send to people your age and people coming up in the theater industry is just so, so important. So I, I thank you for oh. that. But Liz, you are just a dream. I absolutely adore you. I will forever be in awe of you. Thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. Do you want to tell the listeners where um, they can find you on social media to catch, catch your latest news? Um, I'm on Instagram as Liz the Larson. Mm -hmm. And I have my little, my little uh, videos on there yeah. that I've just started making. Yes, which I love. Because I've just stopped caring. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, on Facebook, I'm Liz Larson. And there's also Lizzie Larson, but the fan page is Liz Larson. And I, on, on Twitter, which I just got on, I'm Liz Larson 235. I, Two, that's, three, that's five. just what I got. <laughs> I love it. Larson, <laughs> well, thank you so much for the listeners. We are all going to have to band together and go see the transparent musical. Absolutely. I can't wait, but I am just so, so grateful to you. So thank you so much for being here. I adore you. Mwah! You guys, that's it for another episode of Oh My Pod, you guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to the pod. You guys, seriously, please, please leave a review. It helps so much with like the algorithms and all of that fancy stuff that I don't know anything about. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Oh My Pod, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Talk soon. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.